When I look back on my life, there are many things that I regret. And there are also many things that I regret that I did with or to other people. And there's one specific thing that will probably haunt me for the rest of my life. And I want to share that with you today. It's not a huge thing, but it's something I did that hurt someone. And that kind of regret doesn't easily go away, at least in my life, in my opinion. And so today we're going to talk about regret. Do you have regrets? Are there things that haunt you? Are there things that you wished you had done or not done? Let's talk about that. Let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and today, regret. I mean, we've all had regrets in our lives, right? We've all regretted, you know, actions we've taken, or if we look back in the past, maybe a decision we made, we could have gone left, but we should have, we went, we chose to go right, metaphorically speaking. There's a movie that's really interesting about this. I mean, it's not necessarily about regret. It's called, um, I think it was Sliding Windows or Sliding, Sliding Doors, and it stars Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's not exactly about regret, but it made me think about this. She, um, in the first part of the movie, and it's been a long time since I've seen this, so bear with me. She is, you know, with her boyfriend, they live together, she gets up, she goes to work, and as she's about to get on her train, um, she gets on the train and goes to work. But then they sort of split her life in this movie, and what happens if she misses that train. So she gets up, she kisses her boyfriend goodbye, whatever. She goes down to get the train and she misses the train. And then she goes back to her apartment since she couldn't go to work for various reasons and missing the train. And she discovers that her boyfriend is cheating on her. And her whole life is different just because she missed this train. And I know that we've all kind of thought about something like that when you hear about, you know, God forbid, a plane crash or even with September 11th, there were people who were supposed to be at work that day, but called in sick or had a doctor's appointment or a meeting and they weren't there. There's always survivor's guilt. Or if you miss the plane or you change the plane or you decide not to go and you're like, oh my God, I'm alive because of one small decision. And I think regret can be like that too. Just a decision we make to do things, to move um, apartments change a city, change a state, move to the other side of the country, change your job, all of these things can affect us. And so I was reading this article in Psychology Today, which is, um, it's a magazine, but they also have a really, um, a big web presence. And I have my Google News Feed, and they started sending me more and more of these articles. You know how Google News Feeds are. If you like something, it, it keeps track of it, and then they send you more and more and more. And it's really interesting stuff. 
And so there's an article about the four major kinds of regrets. They've been put into four categories. And they did this uh, survey. Um, and that a man by the name of Daniel Pink, and he had a team of surveyors, did a survey for, let me see, I don't want to tell you guys, for 4,500 Americans, which is a, a, a large selection of people. And, and then they've also collected regret information from 16,000 people from 105 countries. So it's a good sampling of what people regret. And so they were able to put these again into four groups. And I want to kind of dig into these, right? Let's kind of take a look at the types of regret because Mr. Pink, Mr. Daniel Pink, has a book out as well. And he believes that regrets can be a good thing and or a bad thing. Like we can use them in a positive way in our life. I think in general, I've always thought about regret as a negative thing. Like, okay, well, yeah, if I, you know, regret something in my past or why didn't I do this or that, then I'm kind of stuck in the past. But I think there's a way to kind of go, okay, well, what would my life possibly have been and where would I have gone? And kind of to just take a look at things and maybe find a way to truly appreciate where you are today just by looking back. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe it is. But Mr. Pink tends to think there are positives about regret based on his research. So I want to break down each one of these. And I guess I want everybody listening, why don't we sort of play along here and think about regrets in your life? You know, whenever I do these shows, the podcast itself, I don't rehearse, I don't edit, I don't re-record and re-record. It is just live as it happens. There are times when I take breaks and go change the baby's diaper or hang out with her, or sometimes I'll have to leave and come back and, you know, finish the recording the next day. But it is 100% not scripted and not rehearsed. I will sometimes do re-recordings of the cold open, the little bit that happens at the very beginning of the show before the show starts, but that's it. So I didn't want to think about my specific regrets until I read these categories live on the air. And we'll just sort of all go through this together, okay? So let's start with the first one. The first one they call, and I don't know if they're in any specific order. The first one is called Foundation Regrets. And I'm just reading from the article, the, um, the description. And it says, these regrets represent failures to be responsible, you know, conscientious or prudent. And they leave you thinking, if only I had done the work. A lot of finance and health, reg uh, finance and health related regrets are in this category. And the lesson Dr. Pink, or I don't think he's a doctor, Mr. Pink says is think ahead, do the work, start now. So each category has sort of what has hurt us. And then he has what he thinks the lesson is from that type of regret. And when I think about foundational regrets, I'm like, hmm, let me go way back. I mean, I didn't really like school. And I just 
in a lot of cases, I mean, it depends. I really loved college. I loved some classes in high school and some classes in middle school, very few in elementary school, because I mean, if you think about it, elementary school is elementary. It's the basics. It's the foundation. So then you can learn like concepts as you get older, but the sort of building blocks to education were boring to me and frustrating. I remember when I was in kindergarten and they were teaching us right from left. And I literally remember thinking, and I was five, like we all were. And I was like, why do we have to do this? And I remember looking at my hands and I, I was like, why can't I just say this one? or that one? Why do I have to know right from left? Like I wanted to do stuff. I didn't want to just sit in a chair. I wanted to do projects. I wanted to be involved. And it just started to get boring for me, especially with math. And I would just daydream. And so I would do the bare minimum, just enough to get by, to satisfy the teachers, to satisfy my parents, because I didn't like it. And I mean, looking back, I can't, I mean, what I think when you're a kid, you're sort of in many ways very authentic. Like it's who you are as a person, at least at that point. And that's not to say you're not going to change. Obviously, you're a kid. You're going to grow up and change in many, many ways. But it's not like I had forethought or I was cognitive of, oh, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to have a difficult future when it comes to getting into college. Because, you know, I just knew I didn't like it. But if there's a way that I could go back and sort of tap that little Jody on the shoulder and do whatever it was to help her sit in her seat and pay attention and, and find some kind of joy and happiness in it, I definitely would. Because it, it created so much pain, strife, and struggle to have to work on those times tables again and again and again. And, you know, having my parents be upset with me because I didn't get good grades or, you know, just losing uh, privileges because I didn't get good grades or skipping out on my homework and getting in trouble. And when we were in elementary school in fifth grade, we had up cards and down cards. And up card is obviously something positive and up. Like if you did something good, they gave you this green form and it was like, Jody did this and your parents would sign it. And it was like, oh, you know, good Jody. I, I mean, I did get some of those, but I definitely got a down card because if you didn't do your homework or you were talking too much or whatever. So it made my life difficult as a little kid. So I regret the fact that I didn't have whatever that thing is, whether it's self-esteem, self-worth, um, stick-to-itiveness, I don't even know. But that those things, because I don't think it was one thing, to just want to pay attention and do the work. Because my life would have been so much easier and happier. Um, so I regret that as a little kid, and that's obviously going way, way back, and you know, as being a kid, pff, who knows? But um, I mean, more recently, if they talk about financial regrets, sure, there's things that I have done with my company that I'm like, oh, why did I spend money on that? I could have put the money over to here or done something different or made a different decision or reached out to more sponsors because, you know, I'm an event producer and events get produced with sponsors and they pay for it. And so, you know, could I have made more phone calls? Absolutely. Could I have taken more meetings and shaken more hands and done more marketing? Like you, when you own a business, 
you just don't know. You do the best that you can, but you don't know if the decisions you're making are the right ones until you see the outcome. And sometimes maybe if you had done more of something, you would have gotten a better outcome or less. So I definitely, and I apologize for my sniffles, um, I definitely have regrets for things like that, foundational regrets. Do you? I mean, when you think about it, it's easy to kind of think about school or work, those kinds of things. Um, Health-related? Hmm. I don't know. I've always been a pretty health-related, I mean, a healthy person. I did a few years ago um, fall, like I had a catastrophic uh, um rollerblading fall. And I don't even know if I've talked about this. And I used to rollerblade a lot in the 90s. And then I stopped for a while. And then I rollerbladed in the early 2000s. And then I stopped for a while. And then I just would start and stop. And I just, I'm really comfortable rollerblading. And I like speed. And so I would take these hills and I would get in a tuck and I would just go down these hills as fast as I possibly could. And I had done it for decades, literally different hills, bigger hills, smaller hills, medium sized hills, and nothing ever went wrong. And my plan was, if it ever went wrong, I would just stand up because like, if you ever felt out of sorts, you just stand up. And I mean, nothing ever happened until that day in March. It's going down the hill. And, um, to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was an earthquake. I don't know if there was a lump on the road because I had taken this hill many, 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 many times. And all of the sudden, and it's so weird because if you've ever been in a car accident or something like some kind of physical accident, it happens in slow motion at first. It's almost like because your brain doesn't understand that it's happening. And so I'm in the tuck and I'm going down the hill and I'm like pretty close to the top of the hill. And I literally in slow motion feel my left leg going out from under me. And I don't even know why. And that's why I think it felt like slow motion because it's like, wait, what? And at that point, there's nothing I can do because then I fall backwards and I hit really hard and then I bounce forward. And I remember flying through the air, almost like in a Superman pose. I had my arms out and then just the rest of it instantly catches up to real time. And I'm like, and I like hit the ground and I tumble, 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 tumble. And I remember there was a guy that was sort of walking and he was like, are you okay? And I was more embarrassed you know, because I'm just like, wow, I fell like I didn't even know what had happened. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, which is just what you say. And um, he's like, well, that's gonna hurt. And I remember thinking, okay, whatever. And I sort of got myself up and I'm thinking, something's wrong. Like, I, I mean, I was just I was in complete shock. I was feeling woozy. Like, um, I noticed I put my hand on my pants and I came back and there was blood on my fingers and I'm like, oh my God, like I just, I felt like something was wrong with my body in a way that I didn't know how to even articulate. And so I called my husband and he was, he was so cute. Cause he always answers the phone, usually in a very jokey, happy way. And he was like, greetings and salutations. And I was like, I fell. I don't even remember what I said. And he wasn't too far. And he's like, I'll take you to the hospital. And uh, I'm like, 
I feel like I'm going to faint. He's like, sit down. And he stayed on the phone with me. And then he got there pretty quickly. And I'm like, are you almost here? And the hospital was no joke. Um, maybe a three minute car ride away. I couldn't sit down because I was in so much pain. I had to sort of lean in the, the truck and it was awful. Long story short, I, let's see, I did a, a lot of damage to my body. I always have to remember it from head to toe. So I, um, like I hurt my shoulder in a way that I don't even know what it was, but it was painful. I got road rash on my arm and on my elbow. Like it was just, you know how when you peel back your skin in a, in a, in a like an accident, it's scraped off and it's like white under there. It was just pure white. Like I was just missing like three inches long of skin. There was like a little hole, a little chunk missing from my hand and my, and the ball of my, like luckily I had gear on. I had the hand gear for rollerblading that helps. And I had knee pads and I had a helmet on. I wish that I had had elbow pads on, but you know, hindsight, regret. And um, so did something to my shoulder, um, bruised my ribs. Uh, uh, let's see, I bruised my tailbone, which was the most painful thing. Like it took no joke, three years for that to stop hurting. Like it would mostly stop hurting and then it would ache sometimes. And then I tore a muscle in my butt, my gluteus, which, you know, I've always watched sports like football and all of that stuff. And they would talk about, well, so-and-so tore a muscle or tore this. And you just think, okay, like, uh, it is seriously that was the most painful pain I have ever felt in my life because it's just, oh, I mean, think about it. Your muscle is the fiber that holds the skeleton together, like obviously muscle and tendons and all of that, but that's what holds you together. And that's like the strong stuff in your body. So it, I, I just, I can't tell you, it was so painful and it felt like if I tried to sit down, it felt like I was sitting up on a balled up, sitting on a balled up sock, like a fist or something, but it just radiated pain. And the bruise, I, I take it back, I fractured my tailbone. I did not bruise it. Um, I also fractured my transverse process. Didn't even know what that was. It's a little tiny bone in your back. So technically, I broke my back. And it's a um, horizontal pressure bone. So it's not something that holds you up. It's like keeps you, I don't know, it's, it's, to, to the best of my understanding, it's not a weight bearing bone, but that hurt too. It actually hurt less, far less than the torn muscle and the fractured tailbone. And then I had a giant bruise that was probably six inches in diameter on my other side of my butt and just general aches and pains. Like I was a mess. And it took a lot to recover. They gave me Dilaudid at the hospital, which is a serious painkiller. And I was just like shaking because it's always cold in the damn hospital. And they gave me the blankets to warm me up. And I'm like, I'm still in pain. And they had to give me another dose of Dilaudid. And that only took the edge off. So all of that to say, and thankfully I recovered. I mean, my back, I'm still like off kilter, like everything changed in my body after that. I've never been the same. Um, sometimes my shoulder still hurts, but mostly my tailbone doesn't really hurt at all. Every now and then the torn muscle will just kind of give a little zing, but, and then my ribs and everything else and the, the road rash, everything healed up really nicely. So that was that story. But all of that to say, do I regret going rollerblading that day? 
Hell yes, I do. I mean, I, I would have taken the hill some other time than if it hadn't been that day. Like, I wonder, I'm like, was there an earthquake just enough to throw me off balance? You know, we get them here all the time, little mini earthquakes. I don't know. But I thoroughly regret that because it has affected my body ever since. I'm just sort of not, I mean, chiropractic visits, all of that, not the same. So as far as health goes, that would be my biggest regret because pain, oh my God, I just, I couldn't bend down to tie my shoes. I couldn't walk very fast. I couldn't sit in cars. I couldn't stand very long. Like it was bad. I just remember I would, even if I had to roll over in bed, I would have to like think about it because it hurts so much. The only place that I was kind of comfortable was laying on my stomach in bed. And oh, just terrible. Don't miss that. That recovery was hard. So I definitely regret that. Is there anything that you guys regret when it comes to physical stuff or health? I mean, when you think about that, it's just one decision. I remember I was in Beauty and the Beast. I had this great role of playing the wardrobe and I was so excited and I had rehearsal for the play. I was going to go rollerblading and then I was going to go to rehearsal. And so after that, the entire play, I like had to sit down and, you know, during rehearsal, I'm limping around and I just, oh, it was terrible. But I was able, (coughs) excuse me, as they say, the show must go on. Luckily, I didn't really do any dancing. I did kind of, you know, I don't know, a little bit of arm movements here and there, but uh, I was able to do that role and nobody could tell I was, you know, in any pain during the show. So, you know, you just don't know what kind of thing is going to affect you. Like I said, I took much bigger hills when I was living in New York City in my 20s. And if I had fallen down that, oh my gosh, I mean... I hate to think about it. So anyway, I want to take a quick break. And then when I come back, we're going to look at the last three categories and see where they fall with regret. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Hey, it's Jody Rollins, and I'm back talking about paid premium subscription episodes again. But uh, pump the brakes for just a second. Anchor is having some technical issues, and I'm not really satisfied with how they are taking care of all of them. So I'm probably going to switch over to the Apple subscription service, which is a whole nother process. So until that happens, the premium subscription episodes are on hold. I apologize for any inconvenience. I'm going to keep trying my darndest. For those of you who have already signed up, I'm going to keep posting new episodes because you're paying. It's the least I can do. But for everyone else, hang on. As soon as I get a brand new link and they're up on Apple, I will let you know. So they are coming. Thank you to all of you who reached out to me and said you want to hear the episodes, you want to sign up, but it's just not working very well. Thank you for taking the time to write me. And again, I apologize. We're going to get this sorted out. So stay tuned. This will happen. Okay? I promise. 
Welcome back. So we're talking regret, right? And before I uh, move on, I would regret if I didn't mention a couple things. If this is your first time listening to the show, I don't know how you found it, but I am glad that you did. Thank you. Please click those five stars or write that written review wherever you have the chance or opportunity. It makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and please share the show. That is the best way for me to grow this show. And it really, really helps. I figure if you are not interested in purchasing paid premium subscription episodes, my request would be is that you share the show with a friend or a family member. You say, hey, you like podcasts? Check out this one. Or even if you don't know podcasts, this is how you listen and you might like this show. So sharing it with a friend or a family member or maybe even somebody you don't like or a coworker, <laughs> share it. It really, really helps. If you want to keep in touch with the show or write the show, you can do that in several ways. You can write me at bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com and I read everything. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins. Don't forget to check out my Insta stories. I post the most um, recent updates about the show. So if you're wondering when there's a new episode or what's going on with the show, that's where you can see that information the fastest. And um, then of course, I post lots of fun stuff and cute pictures of my baby who is eight months old now. I can't believe it. It's going by way too fast. That and all my travels and fun photography and all kinds of stuff. So that's my Instagram where I am the most active. You can also DM me there as well. I'm also on Twitter at Jody's Box. And uh, feel free to write me there. We're going to be talking about Big Brother here soon. I can't believe it. Like summer is going to be here before we know it. It's going to be another season of Big Brother. So we've got a lot to talk about with that, of course. Um, so yeah, keep listening. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to everyone who's already subscribed. I'm still working with Anchor and trying to figure out a way to switch over to Apple. So for now, we're just sticking with Anchor and recording the premium subscription episodes on Anchor until a further notice, as they say. So you can still click the link in the show notes and sign up if you want to. I appreciate it. But Anchor is being a little bit like literally they sent me a, a <clears throat> an email saying, basically, we don't know what happened or why, but we're investigating it with our engineers. I'm like, great. That doesn't help my listeners. So thank you for your patience with that. Let me turn on the fan. It's getting a little hot in here. There we go. Um, so that's that. That's the business. I do read everything. Thank you guys for those of you who write and say such kind things and say how much you appreciate the show or if it's helped you in some way or, you know, it's just, it, it's, it really is touching because sometimes I'm like, this is hard. It, I mean, I love doing this and it, it feels like it comes naturally to me and it does, but it's still hard work. And I'm like trying to grow this show. And, you know, I want to get to a point where I'm like, this is my profession. This is what I do. This is what I get paid for. But it is a long, hard process when you're not a celebrity to grow a podcast. And um, so I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep going and keep growing. So that's the plan. Okay. So let's get into the next category of regret. Boldness regret is the next category. And so we'll, we'll figure out what the lesson is on this too. And it says, and I quote, over time, humans are much more likely to regret 
inaction, the chances that they didn't take, those opportunities to start a business, chase a true love, or something less grand, like learning a new language or how to play an instrument, they leave you thinking, "Mm, if only I had taken that chance. Inaction regrets outnumbered action regrets in Mr. Pink's survey by two to one. Okay, this one's interesting because who I am as a person is someone who takes chances. Like if I look at my husband, he is not. And there's pluses and minuses to that. And he knows it's not like a put down, but he's like reliable and loyal and steadfast. And I know I can count on him. Like he's like the nuts and bolts kind of a guy. And I'm the chances and the risk taker. I've had, um, let's see, two or three companies in my lifetime. One I was able to do, and then I sold it for a huge profit, which was, I mean, I had thought of the idea in my pajamas one day and just Googled how to make a business plan and went from that. And so to be able to sell it and pay off all of your debt, I was really proud of myself. And then I've had this um, event producing business and I've been able to do that in, in just all these different things where I was like, I had an idea, let's do it. I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And it's led to so many things. And even this podcast, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know who was going to listen. I thought I would run out of things to talk about. (laughs) None of that has happened. And I just Googled the information and watched YouTube videos, you know, how to start a podcast. What equipment do you need? What do you need to buy? Types of microphones and mixing boards. And, you know, I bought the wrong microphone and then I bought the right one. So, For me, overall, yeah, sure. I mean, I could think of some regrets, but that inherently is not who I am. I just recently, um, this past weekend, got invited to speak. And part of what I do is motivational speaking, which is really something so close to my heart. And I think this show is a bit of that for sure, a lot of that, more than a bit. But I love doing it in person. And part of my events are motivational speaking, if I can speak. And to be asked to speak at this women's conference that was part of San Diego State University's like uh, outreach. And it's an honor to to start a business and, you know, speak and connect with people and do women's empowerment events that I had done before COVID for the last three years. And then to create a reputation for yourself that when people think, oh, we're going to hold this women's conference, who should we get to speak? Let's call Jody. is amazing. Like I've worked really hard for that. And so being able to speak at this conference this past weekend, I got to talk to a lot of the attendees and there's so much fear and so much regret that they didn't take chances or that they don't take chances or they don't think it's possible to do this or that or so many things that they think are going to stand in their way. And the funny thing is that me speaking to them, which motivates them, thankfully, also motivates me. So I think when it comes to inaction, sure. Are there things that I regret? Absolutely. But in general, I'm like a go-getter. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. Let's figure it out. Or I want to try this. I want to travel. I want to try an experience. I just fell on the floor. (coughs) Excuse me. Might be one more sneeze. It is beginning of the beginning of allergy season for me. Um, Excuse me. 
I think that, wow, the show is falling apart here. Usually I sneeze in twos every now and then I'll sneeze in threes. So we'll see if there's another one coming. Let's see. I think that, now I just lost my train of thought. Anyway, when it comes to inaction, I like to try things. That's what I was saying. I want to try and experience as much as I possibly can. I think that's why I like travel. Like once you're bitten by the travel bug, like it doesn't let you go. It just doesn't. I mean, I have friends or not so many friends, but people I know because most of my friends do like to travel. But some people that I know, whether it was associates or coworkers or a neighbor or whoever, that are just like, oh, no, I don't really think about travel or no, I just, I don't want to be on a plane that long. Or what about terrorism? Or what if it crashes? I mean, to me, like, this is all we get. This one life, until they tell us otherwise, this is it. I want to see as much of this planet as I can. Like being on a plane is just a minor inconvenience. You know, I, let's see, I think when I went to Australia, I think it was a 13 hour plane ride. A lot of it I just slept for, thankfully. I remember I slept six hours and I was like, yes, this plane ride is almost over. Um, But well, not almost because that would be less than half, but I did sleep six hours somewhere in the middle. And yeah, 13 hours on a plane is a long time. But when I was done, I was in Australia. I was down under, you know, I was throwing another steak on the Bobby. Okay, I didn't really do that. But it was so spectacular. I mean, the beaches there are nothing like the beaches of sunny Southern California where I live or other beaches that I've been to. The sand was almost, I mean, it wasn't baby powder, but it was like softer and it was pink. I mean, the water was such a beautiful color blue. So just seeing what it was like in the cities there and the mountains and listening to people that have the accent and looking at little Australian kids going to school, like everything, the food, just you can't experience that if you're at home. And that's fine. Some people are afraid to travel or um, can't afford to. I was lucky. I had a friend who was a flight attendant and he put me on the little list. So I was able to fly as his like as a buddy pass, which means I went to Australia for $84. $84. That was the cost of my plane ticket to get there. I think it was $128 to come back. So it's funny that I remember that. But when you travel on a buddy pass, you pay the taxes that it costs to get into the country. America was more expensive than Australia. So it was a lot cheaper. You know, I didn't have to pay some $1,500 or $900 for a flight to Australia. So that barrier was removed. But we all can do those kinds of things, you know, and whether it's tasting foods. Again, I mentioned my husband and I I always tell him, I tell him when I mention him, not always, but regularly I tell him when I mention him on the show and he's like, oh, okay. But he, again, is not the risk taker. He likes most foods, like most people. But if there's something new, he's not interested in trying it. Me, on the other hand, I am one of the most finicky people you will ever meet with regard to food. If I had my choice, 
I would not be that person. But my taste buds, I'm a super taster. I've talked about that before. You can Google it. You have more taste buds. And so things taste like very bitter. It's very overwhelming. It's very strong and powerful. Like I don't like coffee or dark chocolate or the flavor of cola, just to give you an idea of a few things. So I don't like a lot of foods. But because my my sort of menu of foods to choose from is so limited, I will try anything, anything. I've eaten like a cricket like this, not just on, you know, hopping by, but in this pack of like seasoned crickets, that was like, I think it was like a Mexican snack. I was like, let me just taste it. Um, it just tasted like the seasoning. I didn't like it. It was okay. It was, but I will try it. You know, oysters, fried oysters. I don't like seafood, but I was like, let me try it. Maybe I'll like it fried because I love me some fried food. It wasn't good. I'll try anything because I want to experience things. I want to know if there's something new that I might like just to see. So I won't regret it. My husband won't try anything new. He'll just be like, no, thank you. And he's like, I like what I like. I'm good. I don't need anything else. And so I think when it comes to boldness regret, it's funny because in the same sense that I'm like, action, 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 try these things, be bold. I will regret if I didn't have the chance to do this or do that. Like I really want to travel this summer. Most of the summers we don't travel because my husband works in farming and he is a farm labor contractor and harvesting season is basically now, April, through mm, the end of August, sometimes early September. And he works ridiculous hours and cannot leave. So we don't travel during the summertime like everyone else. So if I do travel, I travel by myself. Well, now I have a baby and I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm still going to go somewhere. I, I, she goes where I go and she's free because she's under two and she can travel. So that travel bug is biting me. And I will regret it if I don't get to go somewhere this, this summer. We'll see. But I think when it comes to boldness and regrets with regard to boldness, some people don't think about life that way. My husband doesn't go, gee, I wish I'd tried that cricket. You know, I'm not even sure I would say that if I hadn't. But he doesn't think about life that way. And I think that's part of what this comes down to is how do you view life? If you're just, you know, in the moment, just putting one front in front of the one foot in front of the other, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of how he is, a nuts and bolts guy. Me, I'm like, what am I doing today? What am I going to experience? How do I feel? I mean, I'm an emotional person. What's out there for me? Am I going to exercise? Am I blah, 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 blah. like my brain is always working in overdrive. And I want to experience things. I want to connect with people. Right? We always talk about that on this show. I want to connect. And even the tagline, stories and observations beyond small talk, because I want to share my experiences. So I think for me with regret, and by the way, his lesson says in here, it says um, for boldness regret, it says, ask him or her out, take that trip, start the business, speak up on behalf of yourself or someone else which reminds me too, I mean, even when I was in high school and I was boy crazy, like in a very innocent way, if I had a crush on a boy, I told him, you know, because I didn't want to regret. I didn't want to think, well, what if he liked me and he was too shy, which this is, it doesn't happen that way in general. Usually if a guy likes you, he finds a way to ask you out or let you know. But 
I didn't know that. I was like, well, maybe, maybe this and maybe that. And so I would let him know or I'd write him a note or whatever. And they generally speaking did not like me back, but I tried and I let it be known. And sometimes I got hurt. Sometimes I got humiliated. There was a couple of times I probably regret doing it, but okay, I'll share a story with you guys. Maybe I've told this before, but I'll share one that's, oh, so my very first job, I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Every many, I don't say every, many high school kids, their first job is fast food because there's plenty of jobs. I remember I made, I want to say I made $4.90 an hour, which is nothing. But I remember getting my paycheck and it was like 80 bucks. And I'm like, sweet. I mean, 80 bucks went a lot further back then in 1986 or yeah, 85, 86. I remember gas was like 89 cents a gallon, 89 cents a gallon. So it cost me nothing to fill up my car or if I wanted to get fast food, fast food was cheaper. I mean, I ate that garbage back then or junk food or whatever. So 80 buck check went far. Anyway, so this guy, Preston, oh, he was so dreamy. Um, he and his three brothers all worked, actually he and his two brothers all worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken with me. And I knew his younger brother, Kevin, cause we were in the same grade. Well, Preston was a year older. And I remember when he started there, he just had this little swagger about him and he had the most beautiful eyes and he had like, it was like they sort of had a twinkle and he had a cute smile and just the way he would talk to me and look at me, I just, oh, like I remember just getting butterflies, just my heart would practically race and he was so nice to me. And back then, not all boys were very nice to me, which made it much more difficult. So when they were nice, I was just like, oh, and it was cute. He was so cute. So cute. So cute. And I just remember whenever he was working, I just, I would check the schedule and I would see he was working. And I was like, yay. I remember he worked on Friday nights and so did I. And oh, I, yeah. And so it was pretty obvious. You know how, I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but maybe a lot of my listeners, you guys are in their 20s, late, mid to late 20s, and then somehow I have people much older at the same time, and then 40s and whatever. But if you're ever around teenagers or preteens, and, and you know, maybe a girl likes a one of the little neighborhood boys, you can just tell, or a teenager likes another boy, you can just see by how they're like embarrassed and like whatever it is that they do, it's obvious in their body language that they like that person, even though they're not saying anything. Well, I'm sure that I was dripping with like about Preston. Well, my boss, who was, shall we say, an a-hole, he was only, I remember he was 20, he was like 27, I want to say, which <laughs> when you're 15 or 16, felt so old. I was like, he's old. Like he's working at Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was 24 or 27. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he was 24. But again, I'm like, he's old. He's an old man. He's a restaurant manager. And um, so it became obvious to him that I liked Preston. Unbeknownst to me, I thought I was hiding it pretty well. Well, one day I'm in the office with D. I remember his name was Daryl, but he was like, everybody calls me D. That's what kind of douchebag this guy was. He was like, I'm so cool. Anyway, so D was like, hey, Jody, guess what? I'm like, yeah. He's like, um, Preston told me that he likes you. I'm like, what? 
And I mean, my heart stopped with like, I mean, I guess it didn't stop because that would have made no sense, but it, it was like, it was like time stopped because I couldn't believe it. Like this guy that I'd put on this pedestal that I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, he does not. He's like, yeah, he told me he likes you. I'm like, he does. And I must've just been beaming. And I don't remember the rest of the conversation. It was pretty brief. Well, then I had to go clean out the vestibule. And I remember that was when I had just learned that word, the vestibule, that little space between the dining room and the back of the house and the bathroom. So you would open this door, go into this little space. There was a phone booth, not a booth, but like a phone on the wall. And then the door to the men's room and the women's room. So there's nothing in there. It's like an empty space, not that big. So I'm mopping the floor. It was part of my job. And Preston comes in. He just got there. And he's on his way to the bathroom. I was like, hey. He's like, hey. had some small talk. And um, I was like, so <sighs> just thinking back because I'm like, I'm going to take a chance. Like he hasn't told me. Thinking back, I might regret that I had did this or I, that I'd done this. But I don't know that I do. So I'm mopping away and I'm I, you know, put the mop aside and I was like, so, um, D told me that you like me and I'm thinking he's going to say, yeah, I do or something. And then violins would play and he'd be like, he told you, like, I don't know, you want to come hang out? Like, I just thought, I didn't think that much through it, but I just thought he'd say yes. And it would be this sort of happy ending and we'd float off and live happily ever after. And he was like, he told you what? No, I don't like you. And, ha, ha, and like laughed in my face and then went to the restroom. I was diminished, crumpled. I felt the size of a little pea. Just the fact that he laughed in my face. And I I'm just I remember I was just like, what? And, I, and then it just sort of like made sense that it was a joke at my expense that D had played on me. And I was devastated. I was so upset. But then I had to pretend like it was no big deal. I don't remember if I ever said anything else or if I ever came up again. We just acted like we never had that conversation. It was a little weird after that. I think there was something else that happened, but I don't remember. But, uh, and then shortly after that, I think he quit, but I, I think I had gone up to D and said, he doesn't like me. And he just blew up in laughter. He's like, ah! <laughs> you know, I'm like, who would do that to a 15, 16 year old girl? Like, that's just cruel. You know what I mean? So do I regret the fact that I got my face laughed in that I was crushed by my crush? Sure. But I don't know that I regret doing that because, I mean, it's an interesting little story. I mean, I would prefer it was somebody else's life. But I, I sort of pat myself on the back because it was gutsy to speak up. It was ballsy to say, hey, so-and-so says you like me. And there was no question that he didn't. And I didn't have to guess anymore. I could just move on and get on with my life. Again, at the time... I was really hurt. And that took some time to get over because I really, really liked him. But I think 
it says something about me as a person, even back then. I think by that time I might have been 17 because I know I could drive. I was 16. No, I was 16. He was 17. I remember that. But um, I just remember thinking on some level after I got over the pain and the humiliation that at least I tried. You know, I would tell my mom all of these different boys that I liked and she would say, well, let them know or whatever. Or <clears throat> when I was crying about it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just, you know, she would say things like, well, someday they will regret it. And someday they will see that they missed out on an opportunity to date someone like you and all these things. And you're like, yeah, yeah, right. Well, she actually was right. Because I remember going to my high school reunion my 10 year high school reunion. And one boy actually said that to me, a boy that I had asked to a dance. And he like, <laughs> I remember he had said, um, I, I can't because I have a lot going on with my family's divorce, which, okay, which is a, a good excuse, sort of, but that's not like, oh, so Saturday during the dance, you can't like pull it together. But, and I remember believing him and we, we remained friends for years. And when I saw him at the reunion, we kind of laughed about it. And he's like, man, I don't know what I was thinking. He was like, they were so kind when you were older. He was like, you were so cute back then and you're so beautiful now, which always made me feel good, of course, because I'm like, wait, you thought I was cute back then? In retrospect, he did. You know, we were laughing about yearbook pictures and he's like, look at you. He's like, I don't know what I was thinking. And it was funny to me because I think, wow, that's exactly what my mom said would happen, that someday these boys would appreciate me, you know, because again, I was the black girl in this mostly white school and interracial dating was not a thing. So a lot of that uh, rejection was based solely on race, even if it wasn't racism, maybe at sometimes it was, but it was just like in high school, you don't want anything different. You want to stand out. You want to fit in. And race didn't quite make sense. It wasn't talked about the way it is now. It was just, you're different. I like you, but you're different. You stay over there. I'll stay over here. And we didn't know that in the 80s. We didn't know how to deal with it or discuss it or anything. It was just, no, you're weird or you're ugly or you're different. So um, as far as regret goes, I don't regret you know, saying those things. And it's easy to, to look back now. At the time, painful to be rejected by boys. But when it comes to boldness, I would say I'm a pretty bold chick. There's other kinds of uh, boldness too. I mean, I've gone bungee jumping. I had purchased years ago this pack of three jumps and it was in the Los Angeles or Angeles National Forest about an hour outside of Los Angeles in the mountains. And there's this bridge a hundred foot in the air over this stream. And so you jump off of it and <laughs> they, they kind of, it was a group of, I don't know, maybe 20 people. And so they're going in order and all the tiny people went first, like the little small girls. And I'm above average in height. I'm five, seven. So I was somewhere in the middle. And so every time these people would jump, small, smaller men too. They'd come back and be like, oh my God, that was the best feeling ever. I loved it. What a rush, what a high. And I was like nervous, but I'm like, oh, this is going to feel so good. I can't wait. And so the first jump, I jumped off forward. Like you just leap forward. And I was like, I remember I was like screaming a little and I was like, this 
isn't fun. And I was bouncing. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I just didn't like it. There was no rush, but I wanted to try it. And I, I don't regret that I tried it. And I like to take those risks, right? And I guess I would say that's pretty bold to jump off of a 100-foot bridge. And so then I had two jumps remaining. At first, I was like, well, that sucked. I'm not going back. Like, I don't care if I waste my money. I just don't like that feeling of falling. But then I was like, you have two more. At least do one. And so the second one, they were like, okay, you can try backwards. And so I was just like, this is for every boy and high in high school that said I was ugly. And I was like, F you. And I screamed it and I jumped backwards. And I, it was better, but I still didn't care for it. But I was like proud of myself because I took that chance to try it again. And like I took control. There was power in deciding that I was going to do something that I knew I didn't like the first time, that maybe it would feel different when you sort of spring backwards, like you sort of leapt up and out with your arms, like your whole body was shaped like an X by the time you're falling backwards. And that felt actually more natural for some reason to fall backwards. I don't know why. And because I had sort of grabbed the metaphorical bull by the horns, like this was for something. This was, uh, there was meaning behind it. And so it felt better. Didn't like it enough to do the third, but I was like, I'm good. But I tried, you know, and when I didn't like it, I still tried it again. And so I didn't have to regret that. But the next category, moral regrets. And that's something kind of interesting because, well, let's read the category and then we can look at the lesson because I heard this story on a podcast that it, <laughs> it actually almost made me tear up when I heard this one particular podcast host's guests guest talk about her regret, but I'll tell you that story in just a second. Okay, so moral regrets, quoting from the uh, Psychology Today article, this category represents those times when you had a choice and you took the low road. Ooh, the low road. These regrets made up the smallest of the four categories, representing only about 10% of the total regrets Mr. Pink and his team collected. They found that while they are the smallest in number, they are the greatest in variety and often the most individually painful. They leave you wondering if only I had done the right thing. And then the lesson is, when in doubt, take the high road. And that's a, I mean, that is painful. I'm going to share a story with something that I did that I, I mean, I don't think about it very often, but I definitely regret it. And I did think about it for years. And because it's many years ago, I, that's why I don't think about it. But it is the first thing that popped up when I felt like I took the low road. But I'll tell you that story in just a second. So the first story I want to tell you is about this podcast I've told you guys I listen to from time to time, a podcast hosted by Glennon Doyle. It's called We Can Do Hard Things. It's really good. And she had a host, I mean, a, a guest on, I'm not sure, I forget what they were, they were talking about regret, actually. And the the guest was, I'm not sure who she was, because I was listening to it on the plane um, when I was traveling, and I was like, falling asleep and waking up and listening to the story. So I don't remember who she was or why she was on. And <clears throat> excuse me, 
And so she was talking about that when she was younger in high school, she had this boyfriend who was her everything. And all she wanted to do was focus on this guy. And it was a, an abusive relationship, not in the sense that it was physically abusive, it was emotionally abusive. And she felt like he was always making her prove that he mattered, that he was the one, that she loved him and cared about him. And it was a constant uh, battle and a lot of strife. Well, she also had her best friend who she had known for, since childhood for many, many years. And they were so close, they were like sisters. Well, when she started dating this boy, here we are again in high school, she basically dropped her friend like a hot potato and she would treat her very poorly when they would hang out, like terribly, according to this girl. The girl telling the story did not give examples of how she treated her poorly, but she said it was really bad. And at some point, they were at a party, this girl and her best friend, and they kind of called her into the bathroom, and like girls do. And um, they were both, I guess, the friend started crying and she's like, I just feel like you treat me badly. Like, you know, what's happened to our friendship? Like, I don't understand. Like, everything is about this boy, but it's like, we're sisters. Like, do you even want me as your friend or, you know, things along those lines? And the girl telling this story who took the low road was like, he is number one in my life and he will always be number one. And basically just dismissed her friend and left her like in rubble crying, you know, and she went on to continue to date this guy. And then when they broke up, it was just like, ugh. she realized that that friendship was way more important than this loser, this abusive loser that she was dating. Well, that kind of haunted her. And years later, her, her formerly best friend, her formerly known as, I guess, her best friend, was actually killed in a car accident. And the woman telling the story was like, I always wanted to go back and apologize to her. And when I found out she was killed, I knew that I couldn't. And she said, I regret that. And I will regret that for the rest of my life that I hurt her over this guy. And I don't know why that something about how the person telling the story told it it just, it hurt me. Like I got a little emotional. I thought, wow, to just almost she, the way she told the story was, it was like, she almost screamed it at her best friend. Like you're nothing compared to my boyfriend. And to be told you're nothing by your best friend is horrifying, especially when you're in high school, when all of your friendships and relationships are elevated in how much of an importance they play in your life, you know? So I just thought, wow, that is for sure a moral regret. I mean, she's young. She didn't know any better, or maybe she did, and she could have done better. Sure, she could have done better. But we make mistakes, and sometimes we do take the low road. Well, one story that I'm not proud of for myself when I was <clears throat> about 26, 27, I did regional theater and I was in Ohio and I had this really great opportunity. I was so excited. I did this show where I'd gotten one of the lead female roles and it was an outdoor drama called Blue Jacket. And it was the story of this uh, white man who had worked with Native Americans. It was based on a true story. And there was like uh, some escaped or freed slaves who were part of this whole story, which is one of the women that I played. And 
it was a really fun experience because there was there were horses and explosions and and fire and guns and all this like really exciting stuff in this outdoor theater that we would do and um so a lot of the guys there were playing native americans so they would wear like the little um oh my god what are those things called the little it was like the i can't remember but they were like barely anything just a little um piece of like suede covering their private parts like they had like it was everything was fully covered but the, basically the main part of the story was that they were shirtless and this one kid and let's see if i was 26 i think he was like i think he was 22 somewhere in there i remember he was younger than me and again when you're in your 20s when someone's like four or five six years younger it's like oh they're so much younger like you're you're mature like right that's how i thought of it anyway and um when he took his shirt off, uh, this girl and I were like, oh my God, he's got like an hourglass figure. Like literally he, I mean, he had a, he had a little spare weight on him. He wasn't fat by any means, but he had a little bit of a stomach and he had an hourglass figure. Like it was out around the rib cage and then it went in around his waist and then back out just by the shape of his stomach. And we were just giggling and just thought that was hilarious hilarious so we started calling him not to his face hourglass when we would talk about him like this guy had really beautiful eyes and he was adorable but we were like oh you know blah 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 hourglass oh who hourglass well somebody overheard us and told him he had apparently had a crush on me and then they were like well she calls you hourglass and he was really hurt I had no idea he had a crush on me. And then when someone told me that he had been told that I called him hourglass, I was mortified. And so I even apologized to him and he sort of half-heartedly accepted my apology and then really didn't talk to me much more. The rest of the show and the whole, the whole season was a three month season for the show. And he, I mean, probably midway through, he was just like, you know, and I remember feeling like crap. I thought, wow, I would feel terrible if I liked somebody and they had called me some, you know, terrible name like that. Again, I didn't say it to his face, but we certainly giggled and weren't quiet enough that somebody else knew because we just thought it was hilarious and didn't even think about his feelings. And I was old enough to know better. But do I regret it? Absolutely. Even though, again, he sort of uh, uh, like accepted my apology, I'll never forget it. Here I am reading an article. That was in 1996. In 1996, a different millennium. Here we are, 2022. And the first thing that comes up when I think about moral regrets is that guy. I don't remember his name. I don't remember anything else about him except he had beautiful eyes, he had a crush on me, and I crushed him. And I still feel regret about it. And I wish I could go back and take it back because who wants to hurt somebody? I don't. I like pride myself in being someone who understands emotions, right? I'm a, an empath, as they call us. You know, I feel things. I'm very aware. But I regret that to this day.
And there's nothing I can do about it. I did apologize, but there's still, you know, it's, I'm sure he, hopefully he's long since forgotten. I don't know where he is, but I have never forgotten and I probably never will. And that's the thing, like it says in the lesson, when in doubt, take the high road. Because if I had, I wouldn't be talking about that with regret now. Okay, so the last category, the final one of the four, connection regrets. These regrets happen when you neglect the people who matter to you and who establish your sense of wholeness. These regrets may, are made up of, I'm sorry, these regrets made up the largest category. Humans have a massive amount of regret about fractured and unrealized relationships. These regrets sound like, if only I had reached out. Um, these regrets can either be open door, you can still do something about it, or closed door in which the circumstances are impossible to change. Like I can't ever find that guy again. Um, actually, I think his name was Kevin. I do remember that Kevin. Um, let's see, closed door in which the circumstances are impossible to change. Like the woman whose friend was killed in a car crash. Uh, what often thwarts repair attempts is your own flawed thinking. You massively overestimate how awkward or bothered the receiver will feel while also underestimating how positively they are likely to react. See, I think this one's the, probably one of the most interesting ones because it's easy to not have a conversation with somebody. It would have been easier for me to never say anything to Kevin about the hourglass comment because it was uncomfortable and it was awkward. In that case, I believe I took the high road because he deserved an apology. And it was heartfelt. Even if he, you know, um, even if I didn't feel better, it was about hopefully making him feel whole. And that kind of stuff matters. Sometimes we don't have conversations because they're uncomfortable or we're afraid to open up a can of worms. But sometimes we'll just live in regret or somebody else will regret the fact that we never did open up that can of worms. Have you had situations like that? Are you thinking about something right now that you regret? The article goes on to say, um, I think this one's an example. A US Army soldier, for example, shared with our team that his mother's death had created a rift in the family, so much such that he hadn't spoken to his sister in years. On our, uh, on our course day, on our course day off, he took the train from Philadelphia to New York and showed up at his sister's apartment unannounced. She was home, opened the door and burst into happy tears. The lesson, if it's a closed door regret, do better next time. If it's an open door regret, do something now. I mean, that is, to me, that is powerful. What are you sitting there in regret about right now? Can you look yourself in the mirror about something? Is there something you did or something you should have done or you wished that you have done or a conversation or an action? Speak up. Go talk to that person, especially family crap, right? Family, you know, people say things like family is everything. Well, family sometimes is your friends, or people you have a really close relationship with. They may not be blood, but they are like your family. And maybe something has happened in a relationship 
that you regret that you did or didn't do. If it's that open door, go take that chance. Right? I mean, maybe his sister could have slammed the door in his face and it wouldn't have worked, but at least he would have tried. That matters too, that you try to amend the regrets or regret. I remember here's one that I would say kind of backfired, at least for me, but not for the gentleman. I had this friend, and then I'm going to wrap it up because I've been going on a lot longer on this episode than I planned to. But hey, we've got a lot to talk about. This is a podcast, which is a talk show. Um, so I had this friend, one of my first friends when I first moved to Los Angeles. And he was amazing. He was one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. He was gay. Um, so, <clears throat> so I mentioned that because we didn't have any kind of, there was no romantic anything. He was gay. And he was also a drug addict and HIV positive, a chain smoker, chain coffee drinker, and an alcoholic. Why I was hanging out with somebody like that who was nothing like me, I don't know. But we just had a connection. And when I first met him, I didn't realize he was an alcoholic, but it became quite apparent. And I, I seriously, I knew he was in recovery for drugs, but I lately, later on, it again became apparent that he was still doing drugs. And so we were friends for a couple years, and actually longer than a couple years. And then eventually he just went off the deep end and he was like smoking crystal meth. He was paranoid. I remember one of the last times I had seen him, I had gone over to his house for some reason and we were out on the balcony and he was like, did you see that? I'm like, what? He's like, there's a guy over there. And this is before I even understood that drugs could make you paranoid. I knew nothing about drug addicts, nothing about drugs. I mean, this is again, the nineties when like crystal meth was a newer drug and people were just getting started. And he was like over there in that window and I'm looking and I'm, I'm trying to see, I'm like, where? He's like, there's a guy and he's got a camera. And I'm like, I don't see anything, David. And so I did learn later that it creates paranoia. And so we stopped being friends because I just couldn't be part of his life when he was in active disease of alcoholism and drug abuse. Well, several years later, um, he, let's see, 9-11 happened. And actually, we were still friends at that point. And 9-11 happened. And I remember I called him and I was so upset because my friend who worked in the Trade Center, we didn't know if he was dead or alive. And it was just an awful, awful day. And he was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm on the other line with my sister Jody. I remember he had a sister Jody. I will call you back and we'll talk. And I was like, okay. I mean, I was sobbing and whatever. I forgot all about that. And years later, after we had disconnected, I couldn't deal with his, all of his like addiction and everything. He called me out of the blue and he was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. But I was surprised to hear from him. And he said, you know, part of the program being in, in AA, one of the steps is to make amends for the people you've hurt, you've lied, you've lied to all of these things. And I want to make an amend to you. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I'm sick and what? I didn't hold any ill will towards him whatsoever. I was just like, he's an addict and I've moved on. <clears throat> so he proceeds to tell me, remember September 11th when you called me and you needed me and you were sobbing. And I said, I'd call you right back. And I was on the other line with my sister. He was like, 
I was in a bathhouse, which is I hadn't learned this when I until I moved to LA, which is like basically a sex place where you just go and lots of gay men have sex with each other, just random strangers, people you know, doesn't matter. A lot of drugs. He was like, I was in a bathhouse and I was methed out of my mind. And I lied to you. And I wasn't on the phone with my sister, Jody. I didn't know anything about 9-11. I just lied. And I want to apologize for that. And I accepted his apology, but then I was hurt because I was like, wow, one of the lowest days of my life, one of the lowest moments of my life. And this guy was my friend and I turned to him and he lied to me. I would have been better off, in my opinion, if he had never told me that. If he had never said, so it is tricky sometimes with regrets with regard to apologies, because I would have preferred if he had just said, you know, I did some things to you that I regret and I want to apologize and kind of kept it vague. And I would have been like, okay, you know, I wasn't a good friend. I was a liar. I was a drug at whatever. I made life difficult for you. I'm sorry. That would have been better for me. But he told me something I didn't know. And that hurt to know that he lied to me when I was at my worst. And so he felt better and I felt worse. Well, David later on died. I mean, he had spent some years sober and not sober, sober and not sober. I think he died about three years ago, maybe three or four years ago. And uh, I still think about that. I still think about the fact that I was fine and he felt better after his regret and his amendment. So it can be tricky. We have to be careful in what we choose to do and actions we choose to take and accept the consequences because some people won't accept apologies and some people are thirsty and hoping for them. You just don't know. So I regret that he called me to say that, but I'm happy that at that point he was healthier and sober. So what do you regret? You know, as we look at those four categories, does anyone or anything in your life fall into those categories? Foundational regrets. You know, if I had only done the work, boldness regrets, inaction, not taking actions you wish that you had taken, moral regrets, those things that you say to yourself, if I had only done the right thing, only done the right thing or taken the high road, not the low road. And then connection regrets. If only I had reached out. Are you going to change anything? Are you going to do anything? I think these are good questions to ask ourselves. You're listening to a podcast right now. Is there a person that you think, wow, I need to reach out and make that better. I need to make that okay. Is there someone that you're in a relationship with, even if it's a friend, not necessarily a romantic relationship, maybe it is romantic, or a boss, or a neighbor, who knows, some kind of relationship that you're not treating them the way they should be treated? You don't have to make a whole big pronouncement, just change the behavior. What do you regret? I know that life can be filled with regrets, and I think if we spend too much time worrying about the past, it really taints our present, our, our present and can delude our future. But some things are worth investigating and looking back at and maybe changing or doing better or amending. But we have to have the hard conversations with ourselves 
about those things. Sometimes it just means being kinder, listening more, reaching out more, being a better friend, a better boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, sister, brother, whatever, mother, father. I think regret can be a valuable thing. And I agree with Mr. Daniel Pink. And he has several books out if you want to check them out. I think that he's a really interesting author and researcher. I try not to live my life in too much regret. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a bold chick. But I think it is good to look back and kind of investigate who we've been in our past versus who we are today so that we have a better tomorrow. It's an interesting piece of food for thought, regret. What do you regret? And how can you make your life better today because of it? I think it's possible. I really do. Regret can really teach us a lot about ourselves, who we are, what we think, the actions we take, all of that. That's what I think anyway. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.